What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another Second Down Podcast. It is your hostess with the mostest, Ethan Allen Schultz, along with your second co-host with the mostest, I think that sounds right, maybe not, Jordan Jeffrey. Yep. Jordan, tell everyone how you're doing today. I'm doing great. Uh, I got class after this as usual. Just took a shower. I'm feeling good. Um, March Madness is around the corner. I usually don't care about college basketball, but I do try to watch uh, March Madness just because it's exciting. And today we will address our March Madness brackets. Keep in mind, I don't know anything. So my March Madness bracket might be absolutely awful, but it's actually correct. So you'll be mistaken in just a couple weeks. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, so And then just a little preference to um, the yard work guys decided to start uh, the yard work right when we hit record. So uh, you might hear some humming in the background, but... Shouldn't be a problem. Um, but honestly, March, it's my favorite time of the year, guys. We have uh, March Madness coming back. I've waited so long. I was so, so mad when they took it away from us last year. We got it back. We are full swing into NFL free agency. And, uh, NBA season's going great. And it's just everything is hitting on all levels in March. Baseball's right around the corner. I'm loving it. March is the best. Um, and so, uh, I'm really excited for this episode. We got a lot on the docket today. Um, but first, as always, let's start off with our player of the week, Jordan. Um, today's player of the week went to Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat. It's his first one of the year. Um, Jimmy Butler, he has, he, he's one of those players that his box score never fully shows how good he is because he does so much for the team as far as leadership, as far as killer mentality in the fourth quarter making the right plays at the right time, everything like that. But Jimmy Butler gets our player of the week with 28 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds on the week. Very good week for him. And the Miami Heat went 3-0, and and they're now up into the top four seeds in the East after struggling early. Uh, notably, I realized that they were 17-8 and when Jimmy Butler plays, which is an insane record yeah. for just Jimmy Butler being on the team. Yeah. Um, I wanted to start off the episode with something – non-sports related, just to, you know, kind of give a little bit of personality into it. So let's just do this real quick. Top three fruits and vegetables. What do you have? Oh, top three fruits and vegetables. I'm dropping this on him right now. He had no prior awareness of this question. I grew up hating fruits and vegetables. I was that really unhealthy kid, go outside and play and then eat nothing but chicken nuggets and pizza and such. Um, so my top three fruits and vegetables, so two yeah. separate categories. Uh, well, it's like the, it's both it, of them mix. combined. Okay. Because I don't so, want you have to think about, is this a fruit, is this a vegetable? Just think of them as a joint category. Number three. Number three is apple, but only if it's mixed with peanut butter. Does that really? count? Uh, I'll give it to you. Okay. So apples with peanut butter, that's my number three. Number two, I'm going to go grapes. I'm a big grape guy. I can like, they're refreshing. They're cold. Especially when you get just get them, they're amazing. I love grapes, um, especially the green ones. I'm a mm-hmm. big green grape guy. And then number one <clears throat> would be green beans. I don't know why I love green beans so much. Green beans are the bomb.com. Um, I love them to death, uh, especially Thanksgiving and everything. So yeah, I love green beans too. My top three would be number one apples, but I'll just eat an apple by itself. I don't need peanut butter for it. Yeah. Number two. I would go, I'd probably go grapes as well. I'm also a green grape kind of guy. I don't like purple grapes. I think they're actually pretty gross. 
And then number three, I'm gonna go oranges. I love a good orange. Although, for me, when I think about it, like, when I think about a fruit or a vegetable, I'm making it, like, an S-tier fruit or vegetable. Mm-hmm. It has to be something that's good on its own. Yeah. To some capacity. It can't be something like, like, I like tomatoes, I like onions, I like peppers, but I can't just eat a tomato or an onion or a pepper. Yeah. I have to have them as part of a meal. So, like, they can't even, like, sniff, like, my top or whatever. But let's go ahead and kick it over to March Madness brackets. Um, Texas A&M. Our university is not in the bracket unless you're looking at the women's bracket where they're the number two seed in their division, except we're just going to talk about the men's bracket. Um, do you have yours pulled up or do you want me to go first? Uh, pull yours up really quick. Um, I'm making some last second changes and then we'll get going. We could just talk about like who's our top eight. Like who is yeah. our elite eight contenders? <clears throat> um, once again, no prior knowledge for me, but for me... When I look at the West Bracket, I have Gonzaga versus Kansas mm-hmm. in the Elite Eight. What do you have? I also have Gonzaga versus Kansas, and this is by far uh, the toughest game uh, in my Elite Eight to predict. And then for uh, Gonzaga, absolutely dominant all season. Very little I know about them, but they're 26-0, and 0, which they have a bigger sample size than most other teams because a lot of teams play like 15 games. And they're mm-hmm. still undefeated. They're still blowing teams out every time. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, what they've done. they're dominant. They're old. They have uh, people who are getting ready to go into this draft who will be drafted in the first round. <clears throat> uh, really good team. However, the only thing against them is they haven't played that great a competition this year. So people are worried about whenever they get into these positions uh, with these Elite Eight games they're playing these hard teams that they haven't had much practice against in the regular season. Will they fall? Will they not? Which is why it was so hard um, to pick this game. I also picked Gonzaga, uh, but I really, really, really want to pick Kansas because Kansas can be that team to beat Gonzaga. Um, now, we'll move on to the south side of the bracket. I got Purdue versus Arkansas. What are you looking at? In the at? south? Wow. I got Baylor, Ohio State. That's and a I one-two matchup. Yep, I got the one-two matchup, and I got Ohio State taking that one. Um, oh, we didn't even talk about who we had taken the I did. West. I took I took Gonzaga in the West. I took Gonzaga in the West. I took Purdue in the South. <laughs> in the South, so I took um, Ohio State in the South. Um, I like Baylor as a team. They've just shown some really, really, really big struggles going on throughout the season. They did play in the hardest. Uh, um, Excuse conference. me, hardest conference in uh, NCAA basketball this year. Um, however, they just kept slipping up a little bit here, a little bit there. They're still the number one spot, um, but I am giving it to Ohio State. I loved how they played all year. Uh, Big Ten was very, very underrated in my opinion this year. Um, there's a bunch of tough teams in there. I think Ohio State's going to take this one. Now, we'll move on to the next side of the bracket where we are going to discuss the East. Now, in the East, I have Michigan coming out against BYU? Um, in the East, I have LSU with the upset against Michigan um, going into the East, and then I have UT, uh, LSU versus UT. Um, I love LSU as a team. Um, I saw them play in the SEC championship game. Uh, even though they lost to Alabama, they showed a lot, a lot of good stuff. I think they're that dark horse who can make a, a very, very, very long run which is why I have them going to the Elite Eight. However, I think their Cinderella story stops there uh, as UT moves on to the Final Four. I guess as far as the Elite Eight go, 
my Cinderella story would probably end up being that BYU team yeah. because I had them going number six. Uh, like I said, I don't really have much knowledge. I was just kind of looking at stats. BYU is really good as far as it comes to like shooting percentages and opponent shooting percentages, scoring, opponent scoring, stuff like that. So I thought they seemed like a team that was kind of poised to make a run. They're my lowest seed in the Elite Eight. Um, I had Michigan coming out of the East, though. Yeah, so the thing with BYU that I don't like in this tournament, they're going to have to go against UT and Alabama just to make the Elite Eight. Uh, Alabama chucks up the most threes in the league, uh, in the NCAA, and they make most of them. Um, they're an insane team. And then UT is also just amazing this year. As much as I hate to say it as an Aggie, um, they're really, really good. So um, just seeing BYU beat UT and Alabama, I just don't see that ever happening. So that's why I don't have BYU going very far at all. Totally makes sense to me. Now, moving on to the last section, we got the Midwest. Who do you have in your final four, uh, in your Elite Eight for there? I have Illinois versus Houston, a 1 2 matchup, where I have Houston coming out on top. I have Illinois, West Virginia, where I have Illinois coming up on top. Now, uh, I know Illinois. This is one of the best Illinois teams that they've had Amazing. in basically the last two decades. Did you see that Twitter picture with, oh, I'm forgetting his name, uh, but he like mimicked the Kobe, uh, Kobe Bryant I trophy one? That, yes. that was so awesome. I, I was uh, Immediately when I saw that, I was like, okay, so LSU's, I mean, not LSU, Illinois is for real here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I love them in the Elite Eight. I love them in this tournament as well. Um, uh, West Virginia also, um, they're you know, surviving in that really, really tough um, uh, Big 12 conference um, and all that. So uh, I think they get past Houston relatively easy. In my opinion, Houston's just a little bit overrated. <clears throat> I think they're going to struggle against Clemson uh, in the round of 32. And then I think West Virginia is going to come up on top of them uh, in the Sweet 16. Um, real quick, before we go into our final four and our champions, as far as the, as far as, uh, excuse me, the Sweet 16 go, wait, sorry, hold on a second. Okay, yeah, so as far as the Sweet 16 go, do you have any double-digit teams making it into the Sweet 16? I don't, I don't, which is very weird to me, because usually every year I always pick one 12 seed to make it to the Sweet 16, because, um... Uh, That's just how it works. Statistically, statistically, there is more of a chance of three 12 seeds beating uh, or moving on in the first round than no 12 seeds moving on in the first round. Um, I do have uh, 12 seeds moving on. I have uh, either Wichita State or Drake both really, really hot uh, moving on um, to the round of 32. Um, And then I also have... Let me see here. Georgetown. Georgetown's coming off of their ACC title. Uh, ACC was absolutely terrible this year, um, but I, I do like Georgetown. They're coming off of uh, that big, big win uh, in the ACC title. And then Colorado, I just don't think they have the facilities um, to be a five seed. I think they were ranked a little high. Um, so I have Georgetown making the round of 32. I do not have any uh, 12 seeds in the Sweet 16. Um. Now, for me, uh, I had one double-digit team making it into the Sweet 16. I had Liberty. Same thing as I did with BYU, where I was looking at shooting splits for the team and then looking at uh, opponent shooting splits against them and so on, looking at point differential, stuff like that. And 
they looked good to me. Of course, the biggest issue is they play Oklahoma State in the first round, and Cade Cunningham can do damage just by himself. Yeah. Um, but I had Liberty as my uh, sleeper pick to make the Sweet 16. Um, now let's move on to the Final Four, where I had Gonzaga versus Michigan, Gonzaga winning, and then Purdue versus Houston, with Houston coming out on top. I have Gonzaga over UT um, in the West East Final Four, and then I have Illinois over Ohio State, the Big Ten rematch, um, going to Illinois um, to move on to the championship game. Now, for the championship game, I got Gonzaga versus Houston, where I had Gonzaga winning. What about you? I have Gonzaga over Illinois. Uh, Gonzaga completes the perfect season um, that many, many have been waiting a long time for. Um, and, um, yeah, they're going to win that. And I have that, my tiebreaker, uh, 71-68 Gonzaga. I got 77-68. Ooh, I think it's going to be a lot closer. Um, now, let's move on from the March Madness. We'll talk about it more as March Madness actually happens. But that's about all we can talk about for now, especially because we don't I'm, – I'm going to be honest. We probably don't know as much as other people. You could probably get better information from other places. We're just kind of having fun with it. Mm-hmm. I, I know Ethan knows a little bit more than I do for sure. But I'm definitely going to be watching March Madness, and we'll talk about it on here. But let's move on to the NFL free agency where things have equally been madness so far. Um, first off, we're going to start off with the Baltimore <coughs> Ravens. I said first off twice. Move on from that. Um, Kevin Zeitler signs with the Baltimore Ravens. He fills the hole Marshall Yondo left when he retired last year. He signed for three years, $22 million, $16 million guaranteed. Um, honestly, it, it's the Ravens. They've also uh, re-signed Gus Edwards. So they're just establishing themselves more so as that strong offensive line team. We're going to have a run game. We're going to, you know, we're just going to hit you hard. We're going to continue to dominate in the run game, and we're going to force you to outscore us. What do you think? So big Kevin Zeitler guy ever since his days at uh, University of Wisconsin. Um, I think it's a great pickup for the Ravens. Um, Obviously, I'm just a little biased there. Uh, For those of you who've listened to this podcast for a while, you know I'm really, really biased towards Wisconsin teams. That was my team growing up. Love them to death. Um, But, yeah, great uh, pickup. He's still got a lot of game left in him. Uh, Love Kevin Zeitler. Um, moving on from that, uh, oh, so I have transitions for all of them. Oh, never so mind. I have planned transitions. Also, I want to talk about that. He, he, they only signed him for seven million a year, which is actually a really good deal for someone of his talent. Yeah. But I wanted to have transitions planned for all of this. Um, Yannick Ngakwe from the Ravens now moving on to the Raiders. He signed for two years, twenty six million, all twenty six million guaranteed, which is the insane part of the contract because thirteen million is not that much. It's only twenty six in average pay per year for an edge. We just heard someone skirt outside. Yeah. Um, so Yannick Ngakwe goes to the Raiders, and right as we were talking, they also cut their center, Rodney Hudson, which was a surprise move because, I mean, it's not like their offensive line is their strong point, and, I mean, they could use a guy like Rodney Hudson, so I don't know why they did that. But Yannick Ngakwe, the player who goes from the Jaguars to the Vikings to the Ravens, and now to the Raiders in only a couple years. What do you think? Um, yeah, I, I like Yannick Ngakwe. He had kind of a crazy, crazy season after what happened with the Jaguars, going to the Vikings, and then ultimately moving over to the Ravens. Um, but I hope he's found his home here in the Raiders. Um, I, 
I'm I'm not a Raiders fan, but I always like to see them do a little better. Um, and I think this is a great signing for them, boost their defense, and um, yeah, hopefully the Raiders can get it together this season and and make it happen. I mean, ever since they shipped out Khalil Mack, the outside linebacker. They have always needed to find a pass rusher. They haven't had any good pass rushers. Yannick Ngakwe has seemed to, you know, he seemed to struggle last year. He didn't really find himself. Uh, I don't know if it was scheme fits or anything like that. Um, he's sort of a number two kind of pass rusher, not exactly the number one kind of guy. And the Raiders don't have a number one, so they're going to need him to become that kind of number one rusher. But it's only two years, and all 26 million are guaranteed. So that's a good... I think it's a good play by Yannick Ngakwe, going to a place where you can be the number one guy and you can get all your money guaranteed, which is not something that happens very often. Um, now, the other player for the Ravens that got shipped out is Matthew Judon, who went to the Patriots. But the Patriots have had the most insane offseason out of anyone so far. Um, just to run through it real quick, they signed Cam Newton... At quarterback, they re-signed him. Uh, they went out and got Hunter Henry, tied in from the L.A. Chargers. Jonu Smith, tied in from the Titans. They went out and got wide receivers Kendrick Bourne from the 49ers and Nelson Aguilar from the Raiders. They got Trent Brown in a trade. Um, they, as I mentioned, got Matthew Judon, edge rusher from the Ravens. And they got defensive back Jalen Mills from the Eagles. And they got Miami Dolphins defensive tackle Devon Goodshaw. Uh, Godshaw, I'm not really trying to pronounce it. But they did a lot of just adjusting this yeah. offseason. What do you think of this Patriots team, and what do you think they're trying to do here? So so with the Cam Newton thing, I, I think it's obvious that um, they're not truly, truly trying to run it back with Cam Newton. I think that they are signing Cam Newton um, and then making a big play in the draft, um, picking up whatever quarterback falls for them or trading up for him. Um, I don't think they really trust Cam Newton that much anymore, even though they're paying him for another year. Um, I think it's uh, Cam Newton is a, a guy you can learn a lot from. He's been in a lot of different situations in the league. Um, so uh, I, I've, I'm thinking they're going to make uh, a run for a quarterback in the draft to sit a couple games behind Cam. And then who knows, maybe throw him in halfway through the season. Maybe not. It depends on how Cam's playing. Um, but... Uh, they are definitely giving Cam a lot more options this season than last season. That is clear. Now, if they're trying to make a move in the draft, there's two guys that will fall into their range. It's Trey Lance and it's Mac Jones. They will maybe be able to get one of them where they're sitting, or if they want to have a choice or they have one in particular they're aiming for, they will definitely have to try and trade up to make sure that they can get one of them. So I don't expect them, if, if they want to make a play at quarterback, they're going to trade up in the draft. That's what they're going to have to do. And I saw someone said that the way this team is being built right now, it's being built for Trey Lance more so than Mac Jones because they're building themselves up for having an amazing play-action offense. Um, you know, they obviously have, like, a slew of running backs that they can go to the well with. Um, and then they went out and got Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar, who can be those kinds of receivers that are quick, you know, get open, do things after the catch type guys. Um, they have an amazing offensive line, first of all. And Cam Newton can obviously move out. And Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith are both both decent run blockers, but also amazing pass catchers, each in their own right in different ways. <coughs> so if they were trying to make a move for a guy like Trey Lance, I think he's the guy. And, I mean, Cam Newton signed for a one-year deal, only $5 million guaranteed, uh, up to $14 million. They could definitely be making a play for either giving him a gimme year, like, hey, prove yourself, 
or they're going to go get a quarterback and, you know, like you said, maybe they go half a year with Cam Newton, see what they got. Um, do you think this team has potential for the playoffs, or what do you think? They also have Dante Hightower and uh, Patrick Chung returning from the COVID list. I think the AFC East is going to get a lot more respectable than years past. I think the Dolphins make a great push this year, um, uh, impending a trade that I believe will happen for Deshaun Watson. I still believe he's going there. Um, other than that, it's the Bills division at this point. It's a lot of great signings they've made, but you can really only go at so far with current Cam Newton or a rookie quarterback that's going to be drafted in mid-first round uh, if you don't trade up. So um, do I think they're a playoff team? No. Uh, is it a lot of great uh, players that they signed, and will they be in a better position than they were last year? Yes. I think the most fun part about this team is definitely the Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith move because when uh, Mike McDaniels uh, was at his best was when they had Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. And they didn't have them too for very long because Aaron Hernandez was out of the league pretty quickly because he had, you know, let's just say some legal issues yeah. at the very least. But, um, like, they, they're going to get to dip back in that well that they used to be in where they were one of the top offenses in the entire NFL. And, yeah, they don't have Tom Brady anymore, obviously. But they can still do a lot of fun stuff. with. They're going to be running two tight ends every single play. That's going to be the most fun part about it, I think is seeing how they try and act with those two guys. Um, I want to be interested in how Henry and Smith end up doing in fantasy, though. Which one do you think will probably get the most success as far as, like, fantasy football? Um, between uh, Smith and Henry? Yep. Uh, Henry. I think, Henry. I think Henry is the clear t- uh, number one. Um, no offense to Juno Smith. He, I, he's, he's a great tight end, but Hunter Henry is the better tight end. Uh, on this team, and I think he's going to be getting a lot more plays, a lot more targets, and all that. Mm-hmm. And then one of the other moves that the Patriots made that left people confused was them getting up Jalen Mills, who has been a very not great defender for the Eagles, and they ended up paying him more than people expected him to get. But if there's one thing Bill Belichick likes in a player, it's versatility or eliteness in a single skill. Jalen Mills was a cornerback for the Eagles, and then he transitioned to safety. And Bill Belichick loves to run multiple DBs at the same time. So I think he sees versatility in Jalen Mills' game and hopes that he can make something of it. Now, moving on to the Buccaneers, who had taken two of the uh, the Patriots players, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. The Buccaneers made the playoffs last year, and they won the Super Bowl, and they're completely running it back this year. They franchise-tagged Chris Godwin, they re-signed Levante David, re-signed Rob Gronkowski, and re-signed Shaq Barrett to a big four-year, $72 million, 36 guaranteed deal, which is actually not even top 10 in average per year for Edge, which is an absolute steal. Do you think the Buccaneers are completely just going to go back to Super Bowl again, or what do you think is going the, to happen? The, the, NFC, the NFC South is the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. It's all them. It's, it's free eight wins at this point. I don't, tr- I don't trust a single team in that division to beat the Buccaneers at this point. Um, which stinks, you know. <laughs> it really stinks, but whatever. Um, yes, the Buccaneers are going to be a one or two seed next year. Uh, God forbid any inf- uh, injuries, though. Um, and, but, you know, yeah, I think they run it back next year. I really think so, especially off of uh, what I'm seeing in this offseason with other people who were 
good in the NFC last year. Now, other players that are on the Buccaneers that are still free agents include Leonard Fournette and Dominican Sue and a few other important pieces that, they try, that they're going to try and get back. But the Buccaneers are completely poised to try and go for back-to-back Super Bowls. Yeah. Um, the other team that competed against them in the Super Bowl was the Kansas City Chiefs, who actually ended up cutting two of their offensive tackles. Yep. Um, but they went out and they made a move for Joe Thune, who's an offensive guard from the New England Patriots, five years, $80 million, 32 and a half guaranteed, which is second most for any offensive guard in the NFL. They also have Lauren Duvernay-Tardif returning because he took the year off as an opt-out because he actually has a medical degree, and he went back to Canada to serve himself as a medical professional, which is insane that he could be an NFL player and have a medical degree, but yeah. whatever. Um, so they're trying to shore up that offensive line that had so many issues in the Super Bowl. So they have an offensive guard returning, who's one of their starters. They now have Joe Thune, but they still have those holes at offensive tackle that they're going to try and look at in free agency. What do you think about the Chiefs this year? Do you think they also make it back to the Super Bowl, or do you think it's a year for regression because they've been so good for so long? They've been so good for so long. I'm not saying they're not good at all this season. I'm thinking something happens in the AFC Championship game, AFC Division game, a little bit of an upset. I think they're due for one. You know, They've been so good. I think they're due for an upset. I mean, um, they've been to, what, the past two Super Bowls, right? Past two Super Bowls. They should have been to the past three Super Bowls. Not going to get into details on that. But, yeah, they've been to the past two Super Bowls. A certain Tom Brady did something, and then a well, certain Chris Jones did something yeah, else. Yeah, I think a certain Chris Jones was more important to that victory. Now, um, moving on to another team that got a premier offensive lineman. The Chargers, they picked up Corey Lindsley, the center for the Green Bay Packers, He's now an L.A. Charger. Um, They also picked up Matt Filer, who's another offensive tackle slash guard. They're trying to revamp that offensive line. They have two upgrades down. They had the worst offensive line in the NFL last year. They're trying to find any way that they can to protect Justin Herbert so that he can, I mean, because he's the future. Yeah. He's their future. So they're trying to make moves. They'll probably make a move in the draft. How do you feel about Corey Lindsley being gone? Man, Justin Herbert's going to get like seven seconds Average per play in that pocket next year. They're really boosting up this line. Uh, Balaga and Corey Lindsley, both Packers, I absolutely love. They contributed to Aaron Rodgers' success. Now they're going, moving on to help this young Justin Herbert kid. Uh, I think the Chargers are going to be good next year, man. I think they're going to be great. Uh, Really happy Corey Lindsley got paid. Um, uh, I did cry inside uh, whenever this happened. Um, But... Just, just really happy to see Packers succeeding, you know? Mm-hmm. He's making five years, $62.5 million, That's 26 insane. guaranteed, first paid center in the NFL. Um, interesting fact, though. The Chargers now go from the center with the most hurries and pressures allowed in the NFL to the center with the least. Yep. Which is an insane stat. Insane. Uh, they still have upgrades to go on the <laughs> offensive line. That was absolutely horrible. But they have three guys down. They need two more to go. Um, and here was an interesting stat. Corey Lindsley's making the same salary as Aaron Jones, who the Packers did keep. How yeah. does that make you feel? No, I don't, I don't want to get into this. Uh, everybody who knows this podcast knows I'm not a fan of paying running backs. Um, I love Aaron Jones to death. He's a great guy, great talent. He's going to have a great future in the NFL. Um, I just wish that we would not have re-signed him and paid more attention to our line. Um, that being said... Um, it's going to be great seeing Aaron Jones back there again. Um, 
Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers have a great, great, great relationship. Maybe this was more towards like, hey, we got to make Rodgers as happy as possible because there's so many freaking rumors flying around. Um, doesn't matter. Um, uh, I'm glad Aaron Jones is back on this team. I wish it was not at, at the expense of Corey Lindsley. Um, but, yeah, that's just where I'm going to leave it at. Now, uh, as far as the Packers go, Aaron Jones – Amazing running back. And the best thing about Aaron Jones, in my opinion, is he doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires because they didn't use him at the start of his career. And then they also had him split backfield carries with Jamal Williams, who is now a free agent and is not returning to the Packers. But he doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires, so he still has time left to go. They gave him four years, $48 million, and only $13 million guaranteed. Um, the thing with, the, with Aaron Jones, so I want to say that I have fully converted to an anti-running back person now. I know I have a past of defending running back signings, particularly Ezekiel Elliott, who I am 100% against now. <laughs> I have become a running back truther at this point. Um, the Aaron Jones one, I agree with you. It's just not what they should have done. Yeah. It's, he, he's not the guy, especially because it makes the A.J. Dillon pick, which I praised last episode, now a bad pick again. Yeah. Because now you ended up spending a second round pick on a backup running back when you could have used a pick this year on a running back and made AJ Dillon your starting running back and then used your late round pick on a second running back. Yeah. Or and, or sign playoff Lenny to a veteran minimum. Mm-hmm. You know? That could have worked. That could have worked. But no, no, we gotta okay. We're moving on. I'm a running back truth. Uh, I'm now a running back truth. I want to get this out there. I am now anti-running backs. Running backs do not matter. No. Now, staying in the division, we got the Minnesota Vikings, who ended up signing former Giants defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson to a two-year, $22 million deal, $20 million guaranteed, almost fully guaranteed over two years. They're obviously trying to fix the defense because the defense was really bad last year. Yeah, it, it's a little steep, but it's what they needed. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you got to do what you got to do uh, on that side of the ball. But um, they they did truly need Dalvin Tomlinson. So, um, you know, you got you got to pay for what you need. Yeah, their defense wasn't good last year. Their offense was actually when you look at the stats, their offense wasn't actually that bad. <clears throat> You felt like they were probably not that good, and their team had a better record than I think we expect that we uh, remember them having. But if they try and get that defense figured out, because they were known as a defensive team before, if they can get it figured out, they can actually be contenders in their division. Um, But they're obviously trying to fix some issues that they have. Um, I want to talk about, so you're obviously a Kirk Cousins hater. Uh, I'm not a hater, I'm a truther. You're a Kirk Cousins truther? Yeah. Okay, we'll put it that way. Um, I want to say, do you think Kirk Cousins is the starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings? Because I know there's been a lot of rumors. I, I about- hope so. I hope he's the starting quarterback for next, uh, <laughs> next season. I'd love that, we, that the Packers get to play against Kirk Cousins uh, two games a year. Uh, that being said, no, I don't. I think they're going to work something out with the 49ers. I, I know the 49ers do not trust um, Jimmy G anymore. And uh, with Deshaun uh, Watson being heavily targeted by the Panthers, the Dolphins, and the Jets, and uh, Russell Wilson being heavily targeted uh, by the Bears. First off, Russell Wilson is not going to the Niners. No way that they trade him in division. That being said, um, they need to make a move at quarterback. I don't think they go in the draft. I think they go for Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I'm starting to not feel like they're going to you know, try and trade up for a quarterback in the draft. Um, try and get one of their guys. 
Um, I had heard rumors that they were interested in getting a guy like Mitch Trubisky or getting Andy Dalton as a backup to help them out for if Jimmy Garoppolo, because he has bad injury history. That way, if Jimmy Garoppolo gets injured, they don't get stuck with Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard again. Yeah. Um, But I've commonly heard that uh, trade package of Kirk Cousins for Jimmy Garoppolo. And personally, I think it makes sense for both teams (coughs) because Jimmy Garoppolo... Um, he can be cut soon, yeah. sooner than Kirk Cousins. So if the Vikings were wanting to hit a reset button at some point, Jimmy Garoppolo is a better option. Yeah. Um, and also the 49ers, they want a quarterback that's not. Uh, they they want a quarterback that's not Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's just be honest yeah. here. So I think they'd be perfectly fine getting uh, Kirk Cousins in return. Now, once again, staying in division, um, the Lions they ended up re-signing Romeo Okwara. Um, three years, $39 million, 25 guaranteed, um, but the Lions also suck. It's the Lions. Move next team. Do you think they're a top-five pick no. next year? Oh, top-five pick, yeah. Oh, you think I was going to say a top-five team? Yeah. No, they're a top-five pick next year, right? Yeah, they're a top-five. They're, they're a top-five pick for the next three years, Jeb. <laughs> now, um, I did also want to say that they ended up releasing their – well, they're planning on releasing their backup quarterback, Chase Daniels, <coughs> which means that there will be a solid backup quarterback on the market. <coughs> you know, teams will – you know, teams want backup quarterbacks. You don't yeah. want to be one of those teams that has an injured backup. Chase Daniel is just one of those premier backup quarterbacks. Um, a lot of teams will be interested in signing him. Uh, I think the most, uh, actually the Cowboys. Um, we could be interested in him. They, you could be interested. He's from Southlake. Grew I up in the area. Yeah, Wait, no, went, I remember that. He went to Southlake Carroll. Um, and he, it he's would a, be an Andy Dalton situation. Yep, he's a big DFW guy, uh, and I'm sure he'd love to play for the Cowboys. So, uh, of all the teams, uh, I think he's going to. I think it's going to be the, the Cowboys. Now, maintaining the idea of quarterbacks, Ryan Fitzpatrick signs with the Washington football team. One year, $10 million, uh, $10 million guaranteed. Now, the question is, does this make them better? Um... Yeah, I, well, Ryan Fitzpatrick is better than what they had to offer last season. Mm-hmm, which was Alex Smith... Taylor Heineke and uh, Dwayne Haskins. Yep. So it's going to be Taylor Heineke, Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of battling out next and year. And Kyle Allen. Kyle, no. <laughs> but what this does mean is that the Washington football team will definitely not be trying to draft anybody. Which is surprising. I think they want to make a play. I think so, too. It's, it's such a good quarterback market this year. And you're looking at next year and... Yeah, there are good quarterbacks coming out of the NCAA next year. I don't think it's going to be as good as this year. They, yeah, it's not going to be as good as this year. So they have Sam Howell. Yeah. They have um, Keaton Slovis. They yeah. have the kid from Liberty whose name is uh, slipping my mind. And then you also have... Uh, Graham Mertz. <laughs> you have... Not Graham Mertz. You have... <laughs> oh, what's his name? I'm blanking on the other guy's name. There's another... Really good guy, um, but it's just not as good of a talented market no, it's as not. it is this year. And and they, they have a relatively high pick. Um, they have the lowest pick of the playoff teams, so seventeen, I think. Yeah, so mid round mm-hmm. um, could be looking maybe at a Mac Jones if they if, if everybody passes on him. Um, uh, Trey Lance, other people, you know. Um, now the way I see it, I see what Washington football team is doing. The same way that I look at what the Patriots are doing. You're signing a quarterback who's a little bit too good to lose you too many games and put you in a top five, top ten pick range 
where you can get one of those top quarterbacks in the NFL draft, but they're also not good enough to probably get you past the first round. No. And it puts you in this kind of quarterback purgatory where you're just not good enough to improve, but you're not good enough to go anywhere. So it's like you have to make a decision. Do I want to contend or do I want to tank and then contend? So, I mean, it's the same way I see the, the Patriots. The Patriots might be screwing themselves out of a good pick by re-signing Cam Newton because he might be too good. I'm fine with them signing all the pieces that they have. Yeah. But unless you make a play at quarterback, which I think the Patriots are still in play for it, but I don't understand the Ryan Fitzpatrick unless – well, he's also on a one-year deal just like Cam Newton. But do you think the Washington football team – do you think there's any chance that they sign Ryan Fitzpatrick as a insurance policy next year for – Trading up uh, so that when they try and trade up for a player, if he's not good, they can put in Ryan Fitzpatrick, or maybe he's a mentor. Or do you think he's just there because they're going to try and run it with Taylor Heineke and they want him as another option instead of Taylor Heineke? I think I think they're going to try to risk it with Taylor Heineke. He was so so good in that last game. Vanilla Vic. I he was <laughs> he was so so good at in that last game. Um, that uh, they I, I'm sure they want to give him a chance. Ryan Fitzpatrick is there if they need him. Um, so that is a very, very good point. Uh, however, I just, I just think it's strange that they're not going to make a run for quarterback. That being said, um, if, if you, if they want to truly, truly boost their entire team, uh, spend money where they need to, Ryan Fitzpatrick is that dude who can get you to the playoffs if you, if, if you have a good enough team, you know? Mm-hmm. He's so, not going to do it on his own, but he no. will, he will win you games on his own. He won't take you to the playoffs on his own. Now... Yeah. As far as other quarterbacks goes, Jameis Winston also re-signed with the New Orleans Saints. One year, $12.5 million, 5 and a half guaranteed. The Saints have done a very good job of doing minimal damage to their team while restructuring deals and creating cap space. But they still don't have under the cap. They still have a lot of work to go. They still got players to move and so on and so forth. They've released players like Emmanuel Sanders. They've released Janoris Jenkins. Um, a couple others that I can't remember. They ended up franchise tagging Marcus Williams, which ended up setting them back when they were making so much progress. And apparently they're interested in Richard Sherman, which makes no sense because you still <laughs> don't have money. And then they signed Jameis Winston when they could have just used Taysom Hill. Yeah. But, you know, Jameis Winston to the Saints, he's presumably the starting quarterback according to reports. What do you think of this move for the Saints? Hey, I'm happy for Jameis Winston, man. He's had a tough NFL career. He's had a little trouble with the law, um, but I think this past season humbled him a bit, and I think that um, I think that he's going to be excited that he's going to have this team next season. I know I'm excited to see what he does with the team next season. Um, will they be as good as last season? Definitely not. Um, do I think that hey maybe a sneaky wild card? They could be. Maybe we don't know. We we don't know. I have to see what else they do to fix their cap. Now, I think the most interesting thing about the idea of Jameis Winston is what is him and Michael Thomas's fantasy stock next year? Because Jameis Winston is a completely different quarterback than Drew Brees. Jameis Winston <laughs> loves to sling it downfield. He loves to play erratic. He loves to take 50-50 balls, and he'll throw 30 touchdowns in a season, but he'll also throw 30 interceptions in a season. Um, um, whereas Michael Thomas is more of a... Short route runner, gets open quick off the line, 
runs a lot of slants. He's called Slant Boy for a reason. Runs a lot of quick outs, runs a lot of digs, runs a lot of just small hitches. He does all of his work in the short game, which isn't Jameis Winston's forte, but that's what the Saints love to run. What do you think of their fantasy stock? Well, I know that he's been under Sean Payton for a year now. Mm-hmm. I know Sean Payton is going to drill into him a game plan that he wants to run. If Sean Payton's game plan is going down the field, um, then yes, it's, it's we're going to see more Jameis Winston. But I think we're going to lean towards more short play-action plays, um, stuff that fits the current game plan. Uh, I do know that Jameis Winston had one touchdown last season, and that was a complete bomb that he threw on a trick play when he lined up at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that might be a little telling. I mean, he obviously still has the arm strength and uh, the accuracy to get it out there. Um, but, um, yeah, I, like I'm completely out of you know, the loop on what they're going to be doing next season I could see it going either way uh, but I think Sean Payton is more of the heavy influence yeah we're gonna be running what's been working for us so are you buying or selling Jameis Winston and Michael Thomas stock in fantasy I'm selling you're selling both of them I'm selling both I just don't think they're a match made in heaven I no. think they're opposite style players to each other even though they're both quality players obviously Michael Thomas more so than Jameis Winston I'm not mm-hmm. trying to insinuate they're the same um but I think the Saints are going to be a team to definitely watch out for and see what they end up doing. Now, um, Trey Hendrickson, the defensive end for the Saints, signed with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Bengals signed Trey Hendrickson, Cheetah Bay Wuzier, and while we were doing this podcast, they also signed slot cornerback Mike Hilton. Um, interestingly, though, Trey Hendrickson from the Saints, who signed with the Bengals, is being paid the exact same money that Carl Lawson is being paid but they signed Hendrickson instead of Lawson, even though Lawson's a better player. And they have William Jackson III, who's their cornerback, who's still available. But instead, they signed Cheetah Bay Awuzier and Mike Hilton, who are number two in slot corners, instead of signing William Jackson. So the Bengals are making moves, but it seems like they're kind of working backwards a little bit. Are you buying into the Bengals next year? Do you think they're going to be... Where, where do you think, what do you think the Bengals are going to do? How do you think they're going to be next year? I'm scared uh, for the Bengals. Sophomore struggle, Joe Burrow coming off injury, and they're not making great, great strides on protecting him. So, a little worried about the Bengals next season. I'm not going to lie. Now, um, staying in the conference, the Browns actually made a very, very, very good move. Signing Rams safety John Johnson the third, Three years, $33.75 million. And we can't forget that first round, I can't remember if he was a first or a second round pick, but Grant Delpit, the safety from LSU, he was out all of last year with an ACL tear. They now got John Johnson. They got Grant Delpit coming back. And last year, one of their biggest struggles was linebacker and safety play. They're fixing that linebacker play in just one offseason with a guy returning and uh, pulling a guy up. Do you think, what do you think of the Browns this year? I think they're going to be a sleepy team to make a huge play. I think the Browns are going to be great. I think the Browns are going to be great. Uh, Odell's also coming back on that offense. Um, and we saw what they were able to do last year without him. Um, all this other stuff. Amazing, amazing head coach. I love him to death. Uh, so, yeah, I think the Browns have it. And I think the Browns have that division next year. I Shh. honestly, I might agree with you on that one. I think the Browns might win it. Yeah. I really, I really believe in the Browns. I really believe in Kevin Stefanski as a coach. I know you and I have both heavily invested in 
Kevin Stefanski. Um, he's turning Baker Mayfield into what the Browns were hoping he'd be all along. One of the best offensive minds in football right now. And, I mean, I love the running back duo of Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. Uh, they have, uh, I mean, they, they have they have holes on defense that they need to fix, but they're they're starting to get things figured out, and I think they can be a very dangerous team next year. Um, now, as for a team that is not very dangerous, the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, they are currently trying to retool the offense for Trevor Lawrence, who is presumably the first overall pick for them this year. They picked up Shaq Griffin, the cornerback from the Seattle Seahawks. Gave him three years, $44.5 million, $29 million guaranteed. But they also picked up Carlos Hyde for 24, uh, sorry, not 24, for two years, $4.5 million, only $1.4 guaranteed. Really small contract. Really good deal for the Jaguars to get a guy who ran for 1,000 yards two years ago. So they now got Carlos Hyde in the backfield and James Robinson. Um, they got Trevor Lawrence presumably coming in. How good do you think the Jaguars might be this year? <laughs> Uh, I think the Jaguars are going to be as good as Trevor Lawrence takes them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. I mean, they're Trevor, not a playoff team, obviously. They're obviously not a playoff team, although their division kind of stinks. Their division isn't great. They got the Texans. The Texans. Although they actually do have the Colts and the Titans. They have the Colts and the Titans, who are both going to be better than them. Mm-hmm. But it's you know, it's not like they're going against the toughest like NFC West or something. Yeah. Um. So. Um, I think they're going to be as good as Trevor Lawrence takes them. I think they need to focus on um, the season after this next one. Yeah. I mean, they have Trevor Lawrence coming in on a rookie deal. It is the time to strike. They weren't as active as everyone expected in them to be in free agency. I know everyone was thinking, oh, they're going to go after Allen Robinson. They're going to get Hunter Henry. They're going to completely retool the offensive, uh, the offensive unit, and they're going to have Trevor Lawrence be all prepared for his first year. They're going to start gelling the first year, and then year two, year three, they're going to be amazing. They're, they've been pretty quiet so far. Yeah. Um, and I know people are probably hoping for more from Urban Meyer and the Jaguars. Um, but I think it's interesting that they got Carlos Hyde specifically because he was the running back for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. So he's already very familiar with them. They also made some overpays for Jamal Agnew and Rayshon Jenkins. Um, I don't really know why they would do that. Now, a team that is just that we just talked about a second ago, the Texans, they've just been awful this offseason. I don't know if you've seen anything they've done. They've signed so many players, and none of them are good players. Yeah. They went out and got Mark Ingram. Mm-hmm. Which is just why. I don't know why. David Johnson and Mark Ingram is their backfield. And then they went out and got Shaq Lawson, Malik Collins, Marcus Cannon, Cameron Greger-Hill, Andre Roberts, who's a return man, Joe Thomas, and Justin McRae. Joe Thomas, the linebacker. Not, not the, the lineman. Line, not yeah. the line, Not the <laughs> NFL Hall of Fame lineman. Who lost, like, what, 100 pounds since retiring or something? He's insane. He's a tank. He's, like, he's the most fit man I've seen. I'm, like, you look at a, a picture of him two years ago and a picture of him now, and it's... Woof! It's inc- it's inc- it's incredible. Mm-hmm. This transformation. It's just it's weird because the Texans are making moves like they're trying to apply depth to their team. Yeah. When really there's only two things you should be doing. It's either a hundred percent tanking because you don't have Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. or you're trying to buy players so that you can convince Deshaun Watson to come back. It's not happening. It's not happening, but it's they don't. Happening. I think they still think it's salvageable. No. I think I think the Texans think it's salvageable. This is not salvageable. This is not working. He's not going to be a Texan next year. 
I just don't understand why they made these moves. Like, what does this... This doesn't move any needles. Every day that the Texans don't trade Deshaun Watson is a day wasted and puts them in a worse position than they were. Especially that day after the draft. If they do not trade Deshaun Watson before this draft, they are screwed. Absolutely. Oh, the Texans are a trash heap organization right now. Um, staying in the division, we got the Tennessee Titans, who went out and got uh, outside linebacker, edge rusher Bud Dupree for five years, $82.5 million, 13th in edge rush average per year. Um, I saw an interesting stat on Twitter about Bud Dupree, though. Um, about over half of his um, half of his pro- blah, 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 blah. half of his productivity comes unblocked, and about another quarter comes either against running backs or tight ends. So essentially, all of his production was schemed up by the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. So the Titans might have gone out and gotten a guy who's just an athletic freak that got all of his production out of, you know, scheme. Yeah. And the Titans have had a really bad defense. Uh, they had a really bad defense last year. They needed help. And it was maybe an overpay for Bud Dupree. And Clowney is still an unrestricted free agent. So they might need to go out and get Clowney if they want to have anything happen. Because I don't think Bud Dupree is their guy. I don't think so either. And Clowney's also kind of a number two uh, edge rusher as well, sort of like Bud Dupree. So they might just have two two number two guys and no like number one kind of guy. And I also wanted to talk about Ryan Tannehill. So just really quick, uh, Giants have signed uh, defensive lineman Leonard Williams yep. to a three year, sixty three million dollar uh, deal, forty five million guaranteed. Yep, uh, he was their franchise tag. They ended up deciding to give him a long term contract before it was too late. So I think that's a good move by the Giants, personally. Yep. I want to talk about poor Ryan Tannehill. Yep. He has now lost Corey Davis. Yep. He's lost Jonu Smith. Yep. Um, his defense is still bad. Yep. <laughs> and, um, I mean... Hey, he has Derrick Henry, baby. And even his... <laughs> <laughs> he does have Derrick Henry, which makes things a lot easier for any quarterback. Yeah. But they also have Khalif Raymond and Adam Humphreys, who are their number three and number four receivers, also as unrestricted free agents that have not been re-signed yet. Yeah. He's basically just returning A.J. Brown, the offensive line, and Derrick Henry, which, I mean, that's a pretty good thing to return, if you ask me. But, like, he's going to have a lot... He's probably going to struggle a lot more next year. There, it might be a year for regression. Yeah. Um, it probably will be. A year for uh, regression, but I still think with Derrick Henry back there, they're still going to be a great team, especially in that division. Mm-hmm. And the last team to talk about is the New York Jets. Corey Davis, Carl Lawson, they each signed um, three years, 37.5 for Corey Davis, three years, 45 for Carl Lawson, um, who's a very, very underrated edge rusher. What do you think of Corey Davis on this Jets offense? Well, I wanted Corey Davis on that Packers offense, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think he fits well. Um, uh, he's definitely going to do a lot better under Salah than Gase. Even though Gase is, uh, well, was supposed to be an offensive-minded coach, um, and then Salah is a defensive-minded coach, it's just crazy to think, like, yeah, Corey Davis is going to be a lot better under Salah than Gase. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then Carl Lawson, uh, you know, um, he is very, very underrated. I think he brings a lot of talent to that Jets defense. Yeah, I think the Jets are going to... They're, they're definitely going to be a fun team because they're either going to get Justin Fields or they're going to get Zach Wilson or maybe they'll pull a Jets move and they'll just 
forego quarterback at all and just run it back with Sam Darnold, which would be an awful mistake. But um, the Jets will be very interesting, especially because that means they're getting Corey Davis to, you know, make life a little bit easier for whatever rookie quarterback they get. Now, I wanted to talk about some of the uh, some of the free agents that are still left, okay? Quarterback, we got Andy Dalton. Running back, we got Chris Carson, Kenyon Drake, James Conner. Um, anything to say about that group of people? I mean, there's not really that much going on. No. Um, I think Andy Dalton could still be interesting for a team looking for a backup. Uh, I Chris think Carson's Chris, probably Chris Carson's the best player you named. Um, he's he's a dude who doesn't need a great line to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see where he uh, he goes, but I think he's going to be expecting a lot of money, and mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people are going to give up big money for him. I, yeah, one thing about so the running back market isn't very strong. And the thing about Chris Carson too is he has a lot. He has a lot of wear and tear on him because he, the way he runs, he runs right up the middle. He takes hits. He hits people harder. Um, he, 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 like he, he doesn't have a lot of time left on him. Um, and also, like just his running style is basically just running up the gut. Yeah. And there's not many teams that need those kinds of players unless they're looking to use him as a Jordan Howard goal line type running yeah. back. So the Seahawks might be able to get him back for cheap. Because he's one of those players that, that like he he'll he'll only fit so many systems. So he might just come back, but he might not get the money that he was hoping for. Um, Kenyon Drake and James Conner they could be kind of interesting. I still think Kenyon Drake can be good in the right system, but I don't have too much hope for either of them. I don't have any hope for Kenyon Drake. The most interesting section as far as free agents go is the slowest moving section so far because very few players have been taken out of this group. Wide receiver. Kenny yeah. Galladay, Will Fuller, Juju Smith-Schuster, all still free agents. Yep. Hopefully the Packers can make something go for them. Um, however, I, I would much rather see us re-sign someone like uh, Tanyan, who today we put a second-round tender on. Um, I didn't even see that. Yep. So uh, Packers put a second-round tender on Robert Tanyan. Uh, hopefully nobody matches that so we can keep him for another year. Um but, yeah, we do desperately need a wide receiver. I could definitely see a second-round tender being matched by a team for Robert Tunyon yeah. because he's, he's better than any of the tight ends coming into the draft besides Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. And you could probably find those players in, like, the third round, the other tight ends, you know, the Pat Fryer, Moose, Brevin Jordan type guys. Yeah. So you might see a team match that, or hopefully for the Packers' sake, they can end up keeping Robert Tunyon, which I honestly... I'd rather see the Packers keep him because, you know, he, he, he like Aaron Rodgers likes a good tight end, and yeah. Aaron Rodgers was looking to have some fun with him. So I think that'd be fun to keep him. Um, Kenny Galladay, Will Fuller, Juju Smith-Shifter, you have any idea where they might go? Because it's so crazy that neither of them have been signed so far. I think a lot of teams desperately need wide receivers too, which is why it's weird that none of them have been signed yet. I think it's kind of smart for them to maybe hold out, see who gives them the best deal. Mm-hmm. I think that might be what's happening. I heard that Kenny Galladay is just sitting around, just entertaining ideas. Just like he, He's just enjoying the process and trying to find the best that he can. So, uh, I mean, do you, have any good, do, you have, do you have any predictions for any of those players as far as where they might go? I love to say I do, but I have no idea. They, I could see them going to most teams. They can go to any team for yeah, the most part. Yeah, they could go to any team. Like, so wide receiver is one of those positions that you can't have too much good players at. Uh, I was talking exactly. about this with my friends. There's three positions that there's three there's three places on an offense that you uh, on a team that you can't have too much talent. Wide yeah. receiver, offensive line, and cornerback. Yep. Because 
if you get one that's better than the other, it only makes the unit stronger. Yeah. Um, then they have a, there's a lot of good offensive linemen left. Mitchell Schwartz, Trent Williams. And as I mentioned, Rodney Hudson's now a free agent too. Sleeper team? The Packers might go after him. They need a center now. Yeah, that is true. Um, there's defensive line slash edge talent still and linebackers, Jadevian Clowney, K.J. Wright, Alden Smith. There's still cornerbacks, William Jackson, Richard Sherman, Desmond King, and Mike Hilton. Oh, you know, Mike Hilton just got picked up. Let me take that off. And then safeties, Anthony Harris, Kareem Jackson, Xavier Woods, Malik Hooker, and Keanu Neal. Um, those are probably the premier people left. There's not really much else going on. Um, that's probably about where we'll wrap it up, unless you have anything to say about those players. Uh, nope, nothing to say about those players. So uh, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Um, it was a lot of fun uh, and everything. Uh, I'm looking forward to next episode talking more about March Madness, seeing of how our round of 64 went. Uh, by next Monday, we should be actually at the end of round of 32, I believe. So looking forward to that. Uh, looking, to form, uh, looking forward to more free agency news. I'm sure one of those wide receivers will be picked up by next Monday, uh, Tuesday. So, And then the yard work guys just picked it up, so you can probably hear them right now. So I'm just going to call that an episode. Um, and make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, give us five stars on, uh, Apple podcasts. Anything you got to say, Jeff? Uh, stay safe, stay healthy, stay happy, and we'll see y'all next time.